Hey everyone, it's Pastor Eddie from River of Life. Just want to say thank you for joining us on our podcast. Now let's get ready to hear a word from the Lord today. What does God want to speak to our hearts today? So come on, open your Bibles, open your hearts, and let's get into the Word. Amen. Are you ready for the Word right now? Let's all stand. Open your Bibles with me to John chapter 18. John chapter 18. I want to kick off a new series today. Probably the most important series I've preached in a while. I know I say that every time. That's just how I look at the Word of God. But it's going to be about the kingdom of God. The title of this series is Thy Kingdom Come. Thy Kingdom Come. And you're going to see over the next several weeks how important it is to be in the kingdom. To, we are called to be kingdom people, kingdom-minded. Our identity is in the kingdom Jesus was all about the kingdom. That was the theme of his ministry. Uh, and so you, stu- you see that in all four of the Gospels. And uh, I want to get to that this next coming weeks. And I'll, let's just read the text here. In John chapter 18, this is when Jesus is going before Herod and then Pilate. And he's getting ready to get crucified. And these are so powerful words of our Lord. These are his last words that he said... Uh, in public to a government leader, and it really uh, relates a lot till today. John 18, verse 36, thank you, Lord, for your reading of your word, and we honor you today. Speak to our hearts. We pray that in Jesus' name, amen. Love to stand for the reading of the word, and uh, so let's do that. So again, it's Pilate in verse 36. Verse 35, let's start there. Pilate answered and he says to Jesus, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you to me. And what have you done? Jesus answered, this was his crime. He said, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I should not be delivered to the Jews. He is a Jew, by the way, here in in the form of of his earthly flesh there, which is kind of funny there. But now, he says, even though I'm a Jew, but now, if I say now, my kingdom is not from here. Pilate then answered and said, are you a king then? Jesus said, you rightfully said so, that I am a king. For this cause I was born, and for this cause I have come into the world, that I should bear witness to the truth. Listen to this very carefully. Everyone who was of the truth hears my voice you know some people can't just can't hear and understand the things of christ before i surrendered my life to him i just couldn't get it and he says here not everybody's going to get it but those that have ears to hear will hear what the spirit is saying those that want to hear the truth jesus is saying everyone who was of the truth hears my voice then Pilate asked the very famous question that still is being asked today What is truth? What is truth? Amen. You may be seated. We've already prayed. My kingdom is not of this world, Jesus said. There's two reasons why I'm preaching this this series, and we're going to talk about this for a while. Number one is to keep us focused on the kingdom. There are a lot of things that's trying to pull for our attention today, and uh, many of them are, are righteous causes Uh, But we need to realize that the kingdom of God covers all the bases. 
And so sometimes we want to get pulled into this and that and the virus and, and all of these different things. Um, but we need to continue. I want to call our attention back to the kingdom. There are 205 million Christians in America that claims to be this recent, recent poll. 62% of Americans claim to be members of a local congregation. I have to ask myself, probably the same thing you just did, is if we have that many Christians in the earth today, in America today, why are we in such a mess? <laughs> why, why, we, we've never had such large mega churches in America than we do now. But yet we've never been so divided and so divisive and so hurt and so messed up than now. What is wrong? I believe it's simply because we've gotten away from preaching the simple elementary truths about the kingdom of God. And we made it about everything else and cathedrals and buildings and religions and traditions and formalities and styles of worship and styles of hair and styles of clothes. And we made it about everything but the kingdom. I want to bring us back to the kingdom in this series. I want to bring us back to what Jesus preached. Amen? And the second reason is when we learn about the kingdom of God, it will address all these issues from you being a single person, a single parent, a, a family trying to raise your kids, to a person that lost your job, to a person that maybe wherever you are in life, it will help us and give us insight of what to do in this current time. Jesus looked at the leaders of his day, the Pharisees, which we'll get to them in just a moment. And they were very wealthy, but they were totally uh, ignorant of the things of God. And Jesus looked at him and he says, you can tell when it's about to rain when, by looking at the sky, but you're not able to tell what season you're living in right now. You can look at the sky and you can tell it's getting ready to rain, but you can't tell the climate and what, what God is doing and the spiritual reality of what the enemy is doing in America. You're, you've, you've got a blind eye to the things. He was the hardest against the Pharisees than he was to anyone else. He ate with sinners and he talked with anybody. But when it comes to the Pharisees, he was hard. You're going to see why in just a minute. So we need to know of what to do in 2020. What to do? we got another month or so to, to go in the elections and... Now with the loss of one of our Supreme Court justices, which we pray for the family of, of losing uh, Chief Justice Ruth. I mean, that's a, that, that's a family's grieving, and before it turns into politics, that's a real uh, loss to that family. And we need to be praying for that family before it turns into some ugly politics. Amen? But it's just going to add more fuel to the fire, and I'm like, oh, Lord, hold on. What else is going to happen? But how do we respond the Bible says there was an anointed group of people in the Old Testament in 1 Chronicles 12.32. They're called the sons of Issachar. And it says the sons of Issachar who had understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do. I pray that we get that same anointing for 2020. That the Spirit, Lord, let the anointing of Issachar come upon your people, come upon your church so we can have wisdom and understanding of what to do. That's a good prayer to pray. Amen? That's that anointing. That's what to do. You need to know what to do. The kingdom of God dresses it. What is the kingdom of God? It's God's sovereign rule over the universe. But here on earth, it refers to the spiritual reality. Listen, the spiritual reality that Jesus Christ is both Savior and Lord. 
That's one of the definitions. There's so many different ways to talk about it, but that's a good starting point. You see, a lot of times in the church, what we do is we talk a lot about salvation, and, and rightfully so, that's good, but we kind of just make Sundays a celebratory kind of thing, and a lot of preaching and a lot of time is given to more of an exhortation-type preaching. I do it as well. We need it, and it's all about getting saved and giving you hope and giving you encouragement, and it's all about bringing you to the cross, and there's nothing wrong with that, but I'm telling that's Jesus being Savior, Jesus needs, it, it has to save us, amen? But let me tell you something. The kingdom of God is about learning how to get up and carry your cross and let Jesus now be your Lord. Did you get that? What, Jesus, a lot of people, they, they know Jesus as their Savior, and that's good. He's got to save your soul. He needs to, there's no other way to heaven but through Christ Jesus. You've got to put your faith in Jesus. We absolutely true, that's right. But there's more to serving God than just him um, being Savior. He wants to be Lord. And that's the problem we have. Ain't nobody going to tell me what to do. I ain't, I ain't Lord. I'm not going to let nobody be my Lord, my owner, my boss. Ain't nobody trust me in America. We love our freedom. God bless America. You start telling me I can't do something, man, you back off, Jack. I mean, know what I'm talking about. Sometimes we're, we're more American than we are Christian. Come on, this, this, gonna, this, this, gonna be, this gonna hurt a little bit, but it's gonna be good. Are you ready? And, and, and so I, gotta, I wanna bring our focus back. I know what's an election year. Politics are good, they have a purpose. We'll get to that in a moment. But the kingdom of God is about Jesus being Savior and Lord. That means Jesus is going to tell us to do things we don't want to do, we don't like to do. He's going to want us to get out of our, our comfort zone, have conversations that are uncomfortable with people that we don't always know a lot about and we're afraid and we're this and that. It's going to cause us to pray for our enemies and all of this stuff that Jesus taught. You can only do that if he is your Lord. So we got Jesus being Savior and Jesus being Lord. He needs to be both in order for you to be fruitful in the kingdom of God. His kingdom comes when our kingdom goes. If you want to tag phrase that, put that on on Twitter, young people. That's the best way to describe what I just said for 10 minutes. His kingdom comes because when his kingdom comes, by the way, when he's Lord of our life, man, blessings come. And we've spent so much time wanting to do life our way. And God's saying, man, if you just, if you just let me help you, i got something better for you. It's a better life. I tell people all the time, man, I, I love serving God. I love serving Jesus. It's got its ups and downs. It's got its suffering, persecutions. It's bad times, yeah. But, man, I would take this any day. The, you know, for a Christian, this is the worst it will ever get. For the believer, this is the worst it will ever get. But for the non-believer, this is the best it will ever get, is what this experience on life is, on earth. Amen. Sister Lambert. One of our elders who's now with the Lord used to have this saying, when you're a follower of Jesus, she said, we get all of this in heaven too. And she's up there now experiencing that. Amen? His kingdom comes when our kingdom goes. And when you begin to see the kingdom of God come in your life and come into your family, the blessings of God are there. I mean, he just blesses every area of your life. Amen? So let me give you this part here. This is the introduction, and I want to give you what I call the mess before the Messiah. This was the mess, the, the, the culture 
that Jesus came at. We think because it happened 2,000 years ago, it is nothing like we're experiencing today. Ecclesiastes says it the best. There's nothing new in the, in the world. It just keeps repeating itself. Even a global pandemic. You can see old pictures. Uh, Felicia was showing me one the other day of 1918. They were in the football uh, stadium watching the game, and they had masks on. And I said, wow, here we are again today. Speaking of football, can I, can I, y'all need to pray for me. I'm struggling with the Lions right now, okay? Last Sunday was an awesome service. Pastor Steve preached, by the way. So let's, amen. How many enjoyed that word last Sunday? Then I went home and I said, I realized something. 2020 had no impact at all on the Detroit Lions. I mean, I was like, if, if this was the year they were to go to the Super Bowl, it would be 2020. What else could happen? I mean, this is the craziest upside down. And so I said, this is the year, right, LaDon? This is the year, man. We're texting each other. Hey, hey, Adrian Peterson got that run. Amen. And we all started out like we did the first quarter. Amen. So if you don't like football, just tune me down for five more seconds. And anyway, I was just like, man, and then last play of the game wasn't so swift. So anyway, I'm praying. Pray for me. Amen. Sorry, I feel better now. Let's proceed. Jesus came, and uh, sports were a big part of the culture. Paul talks about sports in his writings in the, in the Bible. He, oh, he used everything to connect with people to bring them into the kingdom of God. Paul talked about that often. Jesus did the same thing with his parables. When he was with farmers, he would talk about sowing seed. When he was with people of financial persuasions, he would talk about finances. Jesus wasn't any one thing, the kingdom of God, pertained to everything. He wasn't, he wasn't a doctor, but he healed people. It wasn't a doctor Jesus. He just never went to medical school. But he was a healer. He wasn't a civil rights leader, but yet he was the greatest unifier of all times. He was not an economic guru or a financial guru, but yet he talked more about money than he did about anything else, heaven and hell. In fact, one time while he was preaching, a man stood up and said, Jesus, I want you to address my issue. Jesus said, okay. He said, my mother died and left me and my brother in an inheritance. Tell my brother to share. This guy actually said this to Jesus. And what did Jesus say? He said, man, who made me a judge or an arbitrator? I'm not. But I tell you, beware of greed and covetousness from getting in your heart. Why? He always brought everything to the heart. We spent 13 weeks on the heart. And here we're going to go from King David to the son of David, as Jesus is called. And it still ain't changed. It's always about the heart. And the kingdom of God proceeds out of that. When Jesus came, the people had fallen far away from its peak under King David's day having a heart after God. Instead, the culture was filled with oppression, segregation, division, injustice, hopelessness, fear. What caused it? Same thing that's causing it today. That is, the people had made idols out of everything but God. Idolatry will always compete for the throne for God in our lives. Always. And we make idols out of everything as people. We think that commandment, thou shalt not have any false gods. We always think that has nothing to do with, oh, no, 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 no. You're going to see right here. We are, are full in this country. America has idols. And 
what Jesus come to do is to get rid of some of those idols and let him take his rightful place on the throne of our hearts, calling the shots. Amen? So you see these different groups, and I want to give them to you. They're on the outline. I don't have them on the screen, though. And the first group is the Herodians. The Herodians were people that had made an idol out of politics. They're called Herodians after King Herod. They, they were Herod's groupies. They, they, were more, they were more about politics than they were about the kingdom. We have the same problem today. Many people are more Democrat than they are Christian. More Republican than they are Christian. Trying to help us today. Politics have its place in our government. We all need to vote. Everyone say you need to vote. That's how we see change. We see them on the front lawns of everyone. Vote for school change, school boards, and this, and presidents, and everything. That's how we do. Our democracy is set up like that. And we as Christians are called to vote according to the word of God. But there are some folks in our world today, and unfortunately even in the church, that say, I have got to appease a certain political party because it's always been that way with my family. It's always been that way in my, with my village and my people. No matter what the word of God says, I'm going to vote according to what we've always voted. And that, my friend, is exactly making politics an idol. Trying to help us. Amen. It cannot transcend the Word of God. Whenever we have more of an allegiance to a specific political party rather than our allegiance to the Word of God, we've made an idol out of politics. Our allegiance has to be to the Word of God. And there's not a perfect politician out there. And man, it's sad where our country is from where it originally started. It really is. But we cannot get so wrapped up in politics that we end up breaking friendships and relationships and making permanent damage in a temporary season. Guess what? This time next year, someone's going to be president. And the way you treat people in the next month and a half, will it be worth it when you look back? What friendships have we shattered and broken and offended and hurt? Are we trying to win an argument or win a convert? I would even say this, if we speak more about politics to our unsaved friends than we do about the word of God and the kingdom of God, then I would suggest that maybe we are out of balance. Because politics is one of the newest weapons that the enemy has used to divide the church. Thank you, Joe. I thought she was going to preach something spiritual today. I am. This is exactly who Jesus confronted was the Herodians. They were, they were Herodians. They named themselves after Herod. Not only was there political idolatry, there was actually racial idolatry. Pharisees were a group of people. They were Jews, but they made an idol out of their Jewish lineage. They made an idol out of their Jewish, Jewish any, uh, lineage and their race. They were so about pro-Jewish and so pro-Jew that they would not even have a relationship or a conversation with anyone else that wasn't a Jew. And there are some folks that, that are so pro-white or so pro-black that Jesus himself couldn't get us to have a conversation or a relationship with somebody of another race. I'm trying to help us today to get back to the kingdom. 
Jesus himself could. And he, God made all of our ethnicities, and they're beautiful. But they're, the purpose of our ethnicities is to bring glory to God. And we can't bring glory to God when we are stuck just within our own boundaries, and we are just so about our human identity rather than our kingdom identity. You can rewatch this on Tuesday because I'm going to say some things and I already have that some of you might need to rewind. Because we get in a church atmosphere and we're like, hey, yeah, yeah, right, yeah, yeah, what did he just say? And that's the thing, you can't talk about race today because the enemy has done such an excellent job of making it such a subject of tension that you don't even know what to say. You're afraid to say something or talk. And that's the very thing we need to be doing is having some conversations and sitting down with people and say, how do you see it? How do you feel? And then, and then take the conversation into the Word of God. And say, what does God say about that? I'll tell you what he did. The Pharisees would not even talk to a non-Jew. Jesus broke that barrier by sitting down and eating with Jews. What is funny is the Pharisees would do business with a Jew or with the Samaritan, but they wouldn't invite them to eat at their table. We'll get to that at John 4 when Jesus did that at the woman at the well. That's why the woman said, you don't have nothing to drink from and you're asking me for a water? That means we got to share the same bucket. But this is what happens when people make an idol out of our race and our ethnicity is it's simply when we forget our identity is first in Christ as Christians. Our identity is first. Our identity is in our faith, not in our race first. It has to be. In other words, I look like a white male, but I do not live my life as a white male. I live my life as a Christian white male. Amen? We had a conversation the other day. A UPS man came to drop off a package, and uh, he, um, he asked for my last name to sign on the thing. And so I said, Markham. And he said, Markham. He's uh, about my age. He's a black man, and I'm a white man, in case you didn't know. And uh, he goes, Markham. He said, what nationality is that? And uh, I'm in the middle of 50 things. I, I did not even, I was like, I don't know. I, I think I got Irish in there. I said, I got uh, Indian. He goes, oh, what kind of Indian? I said, oh, well, Cherokee Indian. And he goes, oh, man, my grandpa is full-blooded Cherokee Indian. You know, or he's, he had a mask on. Either his grandpa or his grandmother was, <laughs> can't understand what mask on. And we started talking about Native Americans and different tribes for five minutes. And by the end of the conversation, I almost, we almost hugged. It was just amazing what happened. And we started talking about how this world's so crazy. I don't know who this I don't even know his name. He's a, he's a different UPS guy than we, our normal guy. I said, man, this is so refreshing that we could just sit down and just talk about, and found out that we actually had the same kind of blood somewhere in there. <laughs> I don't know. I thought it was fun. But we, we live our, in other words, I, 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 I don't make decisions based on my whiteness. My whiteness cannot be greater than my godliness. And the Jews had made their brownness, their Jewishness, greater than their godliness. If our whiteness or our blackness or our brownness is greater than the Christ-likeness, then we're out of order. That's what the scripture says. Amen? Almost done. I know everyone's kind of like, don't know what to do, but 
we got to get this in. This is what Jesus did. So we live our life as a Christian first. If I was single, same thing. I, I would not base my decisions how everybody else lives their single life. I am a Christian. I would be a Christian single, ready to mingle with a Christian single. I'd be in the, ho- in the house of God, worshiping, scoping and hoping. Come on, somebody. Amen. But I wouldn't be down at the club. I wouldn't be down here at this house and that house. I'd be in the house of God. Ain't nothing wrong saying that. I'll try to hook you up. My daughter says, don't, Dad. You're the worst wingman. Some of y'all said, yep. I try. That's why I stay out of it. All the single people, please stand right now. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I would live my life not as a single person, but as a Christian single person. This is huge if you get what I'm saying. Are you picking up what I'm laying down? Meaning, I, I, I set boundaries. Here we go. It's another fun subject. And my sexuality. I know what they're doing on Island Paradise. I know what they're doing on TV. I know, I know there's all kind of crazy stuff going on. But as for me and my house, I'm going to live for God. I'm going to, listen, God gets glory when we live our life in our season of life and even in our ethnicity when we follow Christ. When we follow Christ with our whiteness, our blackness, our brownness. And we use that to follow the pattern Jesus lived for us. Like Dr. Martin Luther King. All these great leaders that we've had in our history that made a difference. Billy Graham, a man that was raised in the deep south during the Jim Crow laws and segregation laws. In Alabama, he did a crusade and he said, what are these fences for? And they said, oh, that's for the segregation laws. He said, take them down. If you want me to preach this crusade, take them down. They wouldn't take them down. Go back and Google this story. It'll blow your mind. He got up to preach, and they still didn't remove the fences. Billy Graham walked over there and literally grabbed the fences and began to pull them down and said, in the house of God, there is no segregation. What is wrong with that? But let me ask you this. Why is is a white man raised in the deep south so against racism? Because he had the kingdom of God in him. Why was Martin Luther King such a world changer? He wasn't just a civil rights leader. He was a man of God. Do you see what the kingdom of God does? So we make decisions based on our faith first and then our races. And then it's beautiful when our races all come together. I say it all the time. Our church picnics would be so boring if we had just hot dogs and spaghetti salad. (laughs) But when we get some other dishes and dinners and foods and customs and cultures I love it when we get together at our district councils and you see all the missionaries out there with their tables up from all over the world and dressed in their culture, man. And they're there as Christians to represent Christ. You know what it does? It brings glory to God. All I'm saying is God's not interested in any color that he can't get glory in. I got to go. What is racism? Racism is simply the belief that one race is superior to another. And the Jews had this saying, they were the true sons of Abraham. It's amazing. We still have this argument today. People are trying to say we're the true sons of Abraham. I've had conversations with people sitting down, hour-long debates about true sons of Abraham. And this is one of the scriptures I take them to. The New Testament totally blows 
the relevance of ethnicity when it comes to the kingdom of God and salvation. It's relevant because God made us all different. We're not all the same. We are all different, and we need to use our uniqueness to bring glory to God. Jews, the Pharisees wanted to make everybody a Jew, then a Christian. In one scripture, one of many, Galatians, Paul addresses the whole book of Galatians. And he says this, Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his what? Because of his what? The real children of Abraham, here you go, then are those who put their what? Did he say those that are born a certain race, a certain, those that put their faith in God. I'll show you when we talk about our citizenship how the New Testament makes this statement and he says, Paul says, we don't even, we no longer uh, recognize Christ according to the flesh anymore. Do you know how big of a statement that is? We'll get to that some other time. Then you had not only racial idolatry, you had social idolatry. The scribes, they made an idol out of their social status. They were very sophisticated and very educated. They would say things like, my group has PhDs and an MD, BA, all the other degrees, and we are in this social class. And if you had a high school diploma or, God forbid, a dropout, then you could not participate in our group. They made an idol out of their academic achievements. Academic achievements is great. We need to get our degrees. My daughters, we both uh, sent them to college. They got their degrees. My wife is working on her degree in Christian counseling and in Bible theology and that. I'm an an ordained minister. We, We believe in education. Education is powerful. I think it's 37% of married couples who both have a degree are least likely to get a divorce. It's an interesting stat. I remember coming across that in a marriage class, how education does make us better. But Jesus didn't make an idol out of it. In fact, Jesus even chose the most uneducated group (laughs) that he could find, fishermen. And in fact, in the book of Acts, when Peter and the boys were talking, it says this. They quickly realized that these were uneducated men, but that they had been with Jesus. That these scribes made an idol out of their system, out of their education. Then you have the Romans who made an idol of themselves. They built large structures like never before, roads to everywhere, and they then therefore controlled the commerce. There are documentaries on Rome. Rome was a one-world power. They, but they even worshipped their emperors. These are for people that maybe you're watching or maybe you're here and you consider yourself an atheist or an agnostic. I have conversations with you. I'm not against you. I don't hate you. I just want to want to bring a spotlight there for a moment. You do have a God, and it's often your opinions. It's often ourselves, where we call the shots, and that's what Rome did because of its pride and its accomplishments. And they worshipped even their emperors. In Acts 12, there's a story of Herod came out. He was wonderfully arrayed, and the Bible says as he spoke, they worshipped him and said, this is a voice of a God. And he stood there and he took it in, and the Bible says an angel smote him with worms and he died. A secular writer, Josephus, he's a historian, not a Bible person at all. He records this as as being one of the most traumatic scenes of the ancient world. They still don't know what kind of disease it was, but it was an actual fact In the end of his speech, he fell over dead. He was eaten with worms, the Bible says, because of his pride. It it is Romans. Then finally, we get to 
the faithful remnant. Everybody say remnant. This is us. Hopefully it's you. And if it's not, it can be you. This remnant were people that we usually are introduced to in the Christmas story. Hidden in the masses was a few chosen people who actually still believed. Can I ask you that? 2020 has been one of them years. The one thing you got to guard more than anything is your faith. Are you still believing? Are you still holding on to them promises? How are you doing spiritually? Because that's what the enemy is after, is your faith. That this still works. That the church can still rise. That the kingdom of God can still make a difference. That the enemy wants you to not believe in that anymore. He wants you to abandon your faith. He wants you to abandon your hope in the things of God. But this remnant... 400 years of no miracles being recorded from the book of Malachi to Matthew. It's the years of silence. The only things that grew in that season was Greek mythology from Hippocrates and his teaching that nothing spiritual causes sickness. It's all health related. And the Pharisees brought in a bunch of rules and ceremonies, but there was no spiritual activity. But yet these Descendants of Nehemiah held on to the word of God. And when God began to bring a revival and bring in the Messiah, he looked for these people. Can I tell you that God is still looking today in 2020 for a remnant of people that are still believing, still looking for the Messiah, the return of the Lord. Hallelujah. They were made up of Jews. They were all in the book of the Gospels, also in Acts, Gentiles. And they were the remnant. Let me close with this. The mission of the Messiah. This is as far as we'll go today. There are three. I'll only bring out the second. The first one is to fulfill scripture. Jesus came to fulfill scripture. So let me just tell you this, class. The reason why you always read the Jew first. Jesus coming to the house of Israel. People try to spin that and make it say something else. They try to make it say a lot of things. They like try to say Christianity is a white man religion. Another thing that I have conversations with, it blows my mind how they would even say that. There's not, there's not a Caucasian mentioned in the Bible. <laughs> there's not one white author in the Bible. But yet the enemy, again, has tried to use a twisted part of history to make its case to divide us racially. If we would just look at the word of God. He came to the Jews first as a Jewish man because the prophecies predicted that the Messiah would first come to the house of Israel. So that's why he had to do it. It takes you four chapters in John, and he's already making a beeline to the Samaritans. The Syrophoenician woman was a woman out of her time. She, the dispensation wasn't to the Gentiles yet, but she still got in. And Jesus kind of tested her, her fragile uh, ability to see how fragile she was in, in being offended. By saying the, it's not right to give the crumbs, you know, the food to the dogs. Because those were a, a word that the Jews called non-Jews. But she still said, hey, I'm going to press in. And I, I know even the dogs get a crumb from the table. Remember that story, that whole thing. And Jesus turned and he called her woman, which was a word in the Greek, which was of high honor. And he gave her her miracle. And then after that, he turned his attention to the Gentiles. And that's when he said, I got sheep that is also in a part of my fold that's not in this particular fold. And he turned his ministry to the Gentiles. This is when the Jews said, oh, no, we ain't going to have it. And they crucified our Lord. 
And that's where they started to ask him, what is truth? But the second thing I want to tell you why Jesus came, the mission, it was this is the single most important reason I believe Jesus came. This is what changed my life. As a person addicted to drugs and alcohol, running the street full of rebellion in southwest Detroit and in a little city called Ecorse, just full of rebellion in and out of the legal system, had a little mental knowledge about God. I believed in God, but he wasn't my Lord. I wasn't living for him. I hated authority. I hated police. I hated anything with authority. Because I was just filled with rebellion in my own life. And when I realized that Jesus came to do this second thing, you're ready to demonstrate how to have a relationship with God. That right there changed my life forever. Jesus taught the kingdom of God. 137 references. This was the, the, his whole ministry centered on this thing. The kingdom of God is not a new government. Jesus didn't come to bring a new government. And this is what some of the Jews got mad. And, and even Judas was upset because Jesus didn't stick with just relieving the Jews from Roman oppression. And he turned on them. Because Jesus tried to get Judas to see the bigger picture. That you, are, you receive the kingdom of God and you are going to change the system. Because he's not bringing... A government or a policy. Listen, do this very carefully. Then I'm closing. A policy is good, but a policy cannot fix us. Policies are good. When you look at people to vote for, look at their policies. Absolutely. We need policy. Policies try to prevent problems. But a policy can't fix a marriage. A policy can't fix an addiction. A policy can't fix the heart. A policy can bring change, but only the Spirit of God can transform. Write that down. Come on. A policy can bring change, but only the Spirit of God can transform. Jesus said, I'm not coming to bring a policy. I'm not coming to bring a government. I'm bringing a kingdom. And in Luke 17, he says, indeed, the kingdom of God is within you. Next week, we're going to learn about the message of God. And this was... When Jesus came in the beginning, he said, the kingdom of God is at hand. I love when my dad did this for years, preaching as an evangelist. Everybody hold your hand up. This is how far you and I are from the kingdom of God. Every man, woman born on planet earth. I'm going to show you next week how to bring it in. Some of you need to do that right now. Come on, let's stand. How do I get the kingdom of God? How do I receive this kingdom of God, this thing that changes me from the inside out? You receive Jesus Christ. His kingdom comes when your kingdom goes. And then you use your financial status, your ethnicity, your education, your accomplishments, you use them to bring glory to God. I was a delivery man for Sarah Lee and for Intimates for 15 years. But I was a Christian delivery man. You know what made the difference? You know how many minutes, how many prayers, I, how many times I got to pray with people in the back rooms of Kroger's and Myers? Man, Jesus said the, the harvest is ready. But if I was just, oh, I'm a Sara Lee, I'm a union guy, I can't be, I can't be having conversations, I gotta hit the door times, I gotta be on my own. If yeah, I'd be a good employee, but I would be a sorry member of the kingdom. You see what I'm saying? The kingdom has got to be first. 
out of our, when it comes to making decisions in life. That's what I'm trying to get to. Hallelujah. It's the greatest thing in, in the world. Tell them down at Life Challenge. I said, I'm 23 years. This November will be 23 years. November the 5th, two days after a voting day, will be 23 years that the kingdom of God came inside of me. Broke every chain of addiction. I, I love telling I am. I've been clean and sober for 23 years. Yeah, amen. But this is what I love to say, and I'm loving it. Because I got friends that are still in the penitentiary that have been clean and sober for 23 years. Don't we, Ladon? Still in the penitentiary. They're also clean and sober for 23 years, but they're not loving it. As soon as they get out, they're going to go right back probably. Unless, unless, what? They get religion? No. Unless the kingdom of God comes into their heart. Do you see this today? And it breaks every chain. Come on, lift your hands to the Lord right now if you're in this place and you're needing the kingdom of God. You're watching online. You need the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God can come right on your patio, right in your living room, up north, wherever you may be, down south. We got people watching in Florida, in Oklahoma, in South Carolina. I gave you shout-outs last week, but this is more than just a shout-out. Listen, the kingdom of God wants to come right into your life and change your life from the inside out. We got a lot of problems, a lot of work to do. We can't do it in our flesh, man. Nobody has the answer, but we can do it with the grace and the power of the Holy Spirit. And that only comes through the kingdom of God. Are you ready to receive the kingdom of God? Maybe some of you are about to save your Jesus, but you struggle with the Lord part. He needs to be Lord today. You saw seven people get baptized Friday who said, I'm going to make Jesus my Lord. From this day forward, I'm going to live a new life to the best of my ability. Jesus can come in and he can heal that heart. Are you ready to receive him? If you're ready for that, you're ready to make him Lord, you're ready for the kingdom to come in your life, I want you to repeat this prayer after me. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the kingdom. Forgive me of all my sins. Wash me clean. Make me new from the inside out. From this day forward, I will follow you. Help me to make an impact in my circle of influence. Say, come on, say this with me. Use my, my race. Use my financial status for the glory of the kingdom to be united as one people in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Just like that. Amen. You believe that? Well, amen and amen. I pray that message was a blessing to you, that you received some sort of encouragement or word of instruction from the Lord. That's our prayer at River of Life, that every time you tune in, that God speaks directly to your heart. Well, this is Pastor Eddie again. Just want to say thank you for listening to our podcast and remind you that every Tuesday, a new message is uploaded. Also, if you want to watch one of our services, head over to our YouTube channel. It's River of Life Church, a church of his presence, his promises, and all people, and you can watch one of our services that way as well. So God bless you. I pray God's presence be with you. 
uh, for the rest of the week. Amen.